Hey guys, this is Luke Renslin with the Cycle Trader Rocker River Yamaha team. Brad may be Canadian, but he does know a lot of knowledge with motocross, so stay tuned to learn more. You're listening to a Big MX radio podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, Bills Pipes, Moto Ice Wrap, and Moto Stuff. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got none other than Colton Act from the Racer's Edge. Colton, how's it going? I'm doing great, Brad. How are you? Hey, not doing too bad. It's a cold and blustery day here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, but uh, I hear it's nice weather down in in SoCal where uh, you work at the uh, the Racer's Edge. Yeah, beautiful weather down here. Uh, just working away, like you said. Um, yeah, taking advantage of uh, of my time off the bike. Hopefully, make a little money and uh, save up for Supercross next year. So there you go. So uh, about um, three months ago, you were full in, in preparation to race uh, West Coast Supercross, uh, and uh, we're looking good as far as uh, the Instagram videos and pictures that I'd seen. Uh, looked like you were uh, coming back and had um, really set sail because coming off of uh, a knee injury, uh, fully rehabbed and, and ready to go. Uh, but uh, dabbing the uh, the right knee, or is it right or your left now? Yeah, the right. Yeah. Dabbed that right knee and uh, twisted that sucker, so uh, um, had to put things on hold. But uh, as as we said off air, in a lot of ways, uh, this kind of refocuses you, help helps you uh, really uh, set sail and, and make sure that when you are ready to come back, you take advantage of that. Yeah, um, yeah, like you said, I've had two knee injuries in the last year, which has been a bummer. But uh, yeah, I've been really trying to make the best of it, and um, you know, really take advantage of, of uh, the time off the bike to work on my fitness. Um, and just work on my whole program and, uh, you know, that way when I, when I do, uh, get the opportunity to race again, I'm fully prepared. You know, I think in the past I kind of, uh, maybe didn't take it as seriously as I should have. And I, I kind of regret it looking back. So, uh, I just want to make sure going on in the future that, uh, I take advantage of every opportunity I get for sure. For sure, like it, it seems like a bit of a reality check that uh, at at some point this could this could all get taken away. So, uh, it, given the opportunity to uh, to hit another home run as far as uh, coming back to the the series and uh, putting in good good results and uh, um, having employment as a as a professional motocross racer rather than uh, spinning wrenches, um, just that little bit of a uh, um, a punch in the gut to make sure that uh, y- you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, um, spinning wrenches at my uncle's shop, you know, working on bikes and, uh, I enjoy it, but it's, it's definitely nothing like throwing the leg over the bike and going racing. You know, that's, that's my passion. That's what I live for. So, uh, yeah, ready to get back to that and, uh, get back to, uh, what I feel like is my life's purpose. So yeah, I'm excited to get back, back to racing. 
No doubt, and of course the uh, the Racer's Edge. Uh, for those who uh, who don't know, uh, uh, a shop that's been uh, basically ingrained in uh, the high desert, uh, so southern Southern California for a long period of time, and uh, also featured in uh, for for those uh, moto geeks out there, you remember that uh, uh, in I think it's. Uh, Mini Warriors one. Tony Alessi uh, uh, goes through a kind of a uh, um, uh, basically a, a tour of uh, TRE, the the Racers Edge, and uh, basically hide, like explains that uh, the Racers Edge is the place to go for uh, for parts, accessories, and, and work. And uh, that's what you're doing right now. You're spinning wrenches and uh, working on these bikes, and probably learning a whole heck of a lot as well about them as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, like you said. Um, Racer's Edge, my uncle's shop, uh, kind of got got the whole Lessie started on their career. Um, <clears throat> had a Supercross race team uh, in the early 2000s. So, uh, yeah, like I said, learning a lot, uh, working on bikes, trying to trying to make a little money while I'm hurt, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, bring back uh, bring the Supercross team back to its former glory. That'd be cool. No doubt. Uh, well, it's. Uh... It's great, great to have you on the show. I, I was uh, I was leafing through Instagram yesterday and uh, thinking about who I wanted to to have on to kind of break down the uh, the, the 250 East class and, and thinking about uh, someone who who might know a little a few of these guys and, and uh, kind of get inside the mind of a racer. So I really appreciate you uh, coming on and uh, and being my co-host for this the 250 East Coast uh, preview show where we're going to kind of go through uh, the entry list uh, of this, this upcoming weekend's uh, 250 class. Yeah, I'm excited to get to it. Uh, it should be some good racing this weekend. You know, got a lot of a uh, lot of really fast racers. You know, a couple guys are out injured, but uh, overall we got got a really good uh, good class and should be some good racing. So, No doubt. So uh, before we uh, talk about that, though, um, what's the timeline for you to get back on the bike and uh, what can you do uh, until that time to, to ensure that uh, you'll be in tip-top shape? Yeah, um, well, I'm about six uh, – six and a half weeks post-op right now. Um, and generally they say it's about, uh, four to six months, uh, recovery time. So that's putting me back on the bike somewhere around, uh, like mid June, uh, early July. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the plan right now. So, um, uh, just been cycling a lot, you know, doing a lot of gym work, trying to build strength in my legs again. And, uh, yeah, that way I'm ready to roll. Hoping, hoping that uh the usgp will be my first race back and uh yeah that's about it right now just uh just working on getting the knee strong again and uh that way when i do come back i'll be ready to roll no doubt so uh what's the process as far as uh alerting uh um sponsors of a of of an injury like that and uh uh what's that process like like once you knew that you you'd injured your knee um like do you you, i guess i I suppose you you call everybody up and say that uh things are going to be on hold for a while yeah exactly you know um yeah sent out that an instagram post you let let all my uh all my fans know and then um yeah, call up, call up the sponsors and tell them, you know, you know, it's uh, not going to happen this year, unfortunately, but, uh, but yeah, doing our best to uh, get back out there as soon as we can and, uh, and, uh, represent everybody who helps me out. There you go. Now, uh, um, 
Your your grandfather is the guy who's always at the track. Interesting guy. I've got to talk to him a couple of times. Uh, he must have been pretty, pretty bummed thinking uh, that he wasn't going to be able to uh, uh, have uh, the, the kind of pit access he's had in the past. Yeah, everybody knows my grandpa. It's pretty funny. Uh, if, if you get all, if he gets a hold of you, he won't let you go. You know, he'll talk no, to you for hours. He'll, he'll talk nice and close too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was definitely bummed that I that I'm not racing, but uh, you know, we'll get him next year. So, yeah. Fair enough, man. Well, uh, let's. Uh, I wish you uh, a quick and speedy full recovery, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, next year, this time, we can be talking about uh, the the East Coast Series after a successful West Coast run for you. Yeah, that's the goal for sure. Definitely uh, working hard to make sure that I uh, get a little redemption next year. Definitely. Right on. So uh, you, you obviously, uh, you've, I'm sure you've been to a couple of these races uh, uh, in, in person, but also watching some of them on, on television. Uh, what's your take on the broadcast as a professional racer, seeing the, the types of things that get pointed out by Ralph and Jeff and, and the overall broadcast? Like, uh, what, what are some of your thoughts on that? Uh, broadcast is good. I mean, it's kind of tough, you know, being being a pro racer, you kind of want want to see more of the uh, behind the scenes, more of like the inside sort of thing. But, yeah, you know, I realize it's, it's to a much broader audience. You know, you got to kind of uh, dumb it down for the casual fans. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think Ralph and Jeff do, do a great job. It's, uh, it's nice having live, live races, you know, I think uh, just a few years ago, you had to wait sometimes a week to get to see the race. So uh, it's, it's pretty cool to have all 17 races live and, uh, yeah, I think they do a really good job with it. No doubt. And uh, exactly just about a year ago, uh, uh, like almost a full calendar, I remember uh, um, you did get uh, some pretty cool exposure on the on the broadcast as I believe you were taking off for either a heat race or an LCQ and uh, gave the camera a little look over. <laughs> yeah, that was actually the day that I tore my ACL the first time. Yeah, um, yeah I tore it in practice. So uh just went out to to did the night show to try and uh try and uh get my paycheck basically. So uh, I figured I'd have a little fun with the camera. So a lot of people didn't like it, but uh, you know, we're just trying to have fun with it. So No kidding. Hey, it's uh being a professional motocross race has gotta be the funnest uh funnest job around the block. So uh, if you can't have fun with it, uh why are you doing it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I agree. It's uh it's a blessing to be able to go racing dirt bikes, so yeah, agreed. Fair enough, man. Well, uh, let, let's jump straight into these 250 guys. And uh, obviously, there's some there's some favorites that will be contending for the championship. And there's uh, some young guys that will be looking to kind of establish themselves. And uh, w- one of those guys who I think is going to make uh, a big step forward is Aaron Plessinger. Uh, the 23 machine, he's on this, I believe this would be his second year full-time on uh on, in supercross as far as uh he raced the east or the west last year he's on the east this year and um all signs point to uh the kid having some serious speed and uh after a an off-season injury coming out uh got both guns firing yeah yeah plessinger uh he showed some really good speed last year i think he got on the podium a few times and uh yeah i mean I think he should do good. You know, we've got a lot of guys coming in injured. So, uh, and he's not one of them, you know, he's, he's had a lot of time on the bike. So I think that'll really help him. Um, yeah, I think he'll be more prepared than a few of the guys out there and, uh, he's definitely got the speed. So 
we'll see if uh, he can take it to the next level and get a win. I think I think he's capable of it for sure. So, absolutely. Now, uh, in, on the West, we kind of saw four guys kind of separate themselves from the rest of the pack, and then there was a couple that were able to find their way into that top four. But uh, for the most part, it was uh, fairly consistent. You had um, Cooper Webb, uh, Savachi. Craig and uh, and Osborne. In fact, all four of them were out front on the first lap of of this last weekend's race, and um, they, they they've shuffled around a little bit. But those guys are kind of like you're uh, separated from from the bunch. And I guess you could throw uh, um, Colt Nichols as, as uh, to rounding out that top five. Uh, when you look at the the entry list, do you kind of see four guys that are gonna uh, four or five guys that are gonna separate themselves from the rest of the pack and uh, consistently be that top five uh, that five list? Yeah, I've got uh I've got six guys actually. I think there's six guys who have like a real true shot of winning races. Um yeah. go ahead. So yeah, my pick would be uh be Bowers. Obviously he's won races in the past. Um he's injured, so or he's coming in off an injury. Uh you know, he had the back injury last year and then yeah. Epstein Barr. So um we'll see how he does, you know. Obviously it's it's tough. He doesn't have a whole lot of time on the bike. Um Malcolm Stewart always fast you know he's won races as well um so he's definitely a contender uh justin hill you know again he's won races in the past and uh he had a little bit of a rough year last year but um you know he's definitely got the speed to uh get on the top of the box um and then the other guys you know davalos he's won races obviously should have won uh, a championship yeah should have won a championship had that bike failure um I put him out, but, uh, you know, if, if he can stay consistent, which it seems to be his, his biggest thing, you know, you got to keep it off the ground, but as long as he can keep it off the ground and stay consistent, he's a, he's a contender for sure. Um, and then we already talked about Plessinger. I think he could get on the top of the box. Um, you can never count out Jeremy Martin, you know, I mean, he's, he's won, I think he's won one race in the past and, uh, you know, two time national champ. So. He's had his struggles, but I think, you know, I think, uh, I think he's got what it takes. And then, um, last guy kind of unsure about, but, uh, I think he can do it is, uh, Shane McElrath. You know, he had a couple of really strong rides last year in Supercross on the West coast. Um, he's only had a few weeks on the bike. I know he's coming off of an injury, but, uh, I think he's definitely, he's showed he has speed and, uh, yeah, he could be a guy to get his first win this year for sure. So down, that's uh, part of that powerhouse TLD KTM team that uh, we know they're on good bikes and uh, will be uh, up front, uh, especially on the starts. Um, notice you didn't uh, didn't leave uh, your left uh, RJ Hampshire off your list, a kid that came out of uh, amateurs uh, like a house on fire. Uh, but of course, uh, then he saw that uh, at the uh, straight rhythm had a huge get off and, uh, and, and a brain injury to come with that that uh, has kept him out to this point. Um, what do you expect from the 31 machine, a guy who kind of came out of amateurs looking to, uh, really make a statement, but, um, not sure if he's quite made it just yet. Yeah. You know, like you said, he, uh, had a pretty big get off at the straight rhythm and, uh, that was pretty scary. Um, you know, so that's going to be the biggest thing. I think he's definitely got the speed. Uh, he showed that in the past, but, uh, we'll see how he's doing coming off this injury. You know, head injuries are, are pretty big deal you know takes a long time and uh you know i've dealt dealt with it myself and it's uh you know it's something that 
you know, it, every head injury is different. You can't really, you know, you can't really say what, uh, when he'll be a hundred percent, but yeah, I mean, if he's healthy, he's definitely got the speed to, uh, put it up there. He showed that. And, uh, I think he's also kind of, you know, he's pretty comparable to a guy like Jordan Smith, you know, his teammate, you know, he's got great speed and if he can keep it off the ground and keep it all together for a whole race, I think he can do really good. Now, uh, one thing I noticed from the uh, the top six guys that that uh, we've kind of established as uh, your championship contenders is there's only one constant from last year's championship out east, and that was Jeremy Martin, who uh, showed some serious speed right off the hop. I think he uh, he captured two wins to his credit throughout the series, uh, and and since then the two guys that he was battling for that championship, Marvin Muscan and Justin Bogle, have uh, have moved up to the 450 class. Does that more or less establish him as uh, your your, your odds on favorite or um does the number six uh going to continue to have struggles in supercross because uh in the last uh, the first two years of his career we saw missed main events i think even last year uh he ended up not qualifying for one because of uh some heat race and lcq crashes um just it's weird to see a guy who's so dominant outdoors has carried the number one plate two years in a row and uh and now uh in supercross uh people questioning um his value as a 450 guy going forward to next year because uh he hasn't been able to get it done in supercross yeah you know it's tough like you said he's a great obviously a great outdoor rider you know two national championships that's uh definitely no fluke um yeah yeah i I don't know, man. The he's he showed speed in Supercross. Like I said, he's won a race, but uh, for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to bring that every weekend. Um, but you know, like I said, there's a lot of guys coming in injured, and uh, he's not one of them. You know, he's so he should be probably just as well prepared, if not more prepared, than everybody else on the line. So, uh, and he's got Johnny O in his corner. You know, fitness is definitely not a uh, not an issue. Um, so yeah, if he can iron out those, those little bugs he's having or he's had in the past, then, uh, yeah, I think, I think he'd be stupid not to pick him for the title. Um, you know, it's just, well, I guess we'll have to see if he can, uh, if he can bring that speed every weekend. Fair enough. Well, uh, hopefully uh, he can figure out uh, the the whoops section because honestly, if there's any kryptonite for him last year, it was a gnarly set of whoops, which we've seen this year uh, bigger, more uh, nasty whoops throughout the rounds of Supercross so far. And uh, the East Coast usually is where uh, they they bring out the the nastiest sets. So uh, um, might uh, might be the Jeremy Martin might might be his own uh, uh, biggest competition this year. Yeah, like you said, they uh, they definitely haven't been scared to build a big set of whoops this year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, I think that's going to play a big factor um, for everybody. You know, it seems to be, you know, other than obviously corners, um, seems to be like whoops is where a lot of time is made. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he's he's a little bit shorter than the rest of the guys, which is definitely a disadvantage in the whoops, but. Uh, you know, I think he's on he's on great equipment. He's a great rider, so I think he can he can overcome it for sure. And plus, he's got that mentor of his that isn't exactly all that tall himself. So uh, possibly some tips here and there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like, um, 
uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit up the uh, uh, some commercials right away. But when we come back, we're gonna talk about some other guys that uh, may end up finding themselves onto a podium, but uh, may struggle to find a lot of consistency. And I think that's something that kind of plagues a lot of these guys in the 250 class. But before we do that, uh, let's hit some commercials. Uh, from uh, the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, and Bill's Pipes. This is Alex Ray with Spider Energy Drink, FXR, K1 Speed Honda. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to commercial. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Indigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand, that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12, the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. The 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing.
WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to Bill'sPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Still on the line here with Colton Eck talking 250F East Coast Supercross, uh, breaking down these guys. And uh, so far, Colton, we have uh, established as your main contenders as Jeremy Martin, Aaron Plessinger, uh, Martin Davalos, Tyler Bowers, Justin Hill, and, uh, and, and Malcolm Stewart. And also, I guess you can throw in... Uh, a guy like uh, Shane McElrath uh, running the number thirty for the for that uh, KTM team. There's seven guys that can uh, can win champion or can can legitimately win this championship or at least win races. Um, is there anyone else on the list that you could see uh, stealing a podium like a, a Luke Resland or a uh, um, 
Arno Tonis or something like that. Even uh, Jimmy Jimmy Albertson jumping down into the uh, the, the 250 class. Can uh, can those guys get it done? Yeah, you know, uh, like I said, Arno Tonis, uh, he's a bit of a mystery. We saw him at a few races last year, and he had speed. I think he was even fastest qualifier a couple times. Um, but he's been out uh, with injury and Epstein Barr, just like his teammate um, Bowers. So we'll see. I think, uh, you know, like I said, he has speed. So um, if he can put it together for 15 laps, I think he can definitely uh, throw it up on the podium. And then uh, he also mentioned Jimmy Albertson. That was a big uh, question mark for me. Um, you know, we haven't seen him race in 250 since I think it was probably 2008 when he was on the PLD Honda team. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what he brings. I think he can definitely be a top five and maybe throw it on the podium. Um, another guy was, I was thinking, um, Matt Bashelia, he's had a pretty rough off season. I know he's broken his collarbone twice, I think, but, uh, yeah, rough deal for him. But, uh, you know, he got, he was dropped by Geico last year. So I think he's definitely got something to prove. Probably, probably has a little chip on his shoulder. Yes. So, um, you know, that could be another guy that could throw it up in the mix there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, oh, another one. Haven't mentioned him yet. Uh, Darren Durham. Uh, we yeah, found Darren Durham and, uh, Barrowman. They're uh, traveling across the country, uh, riding dirt bikes and, and, and causing havoc. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Durham, I mean, he's won races in the past. Um, you know, when he was on uh, pro circuit and he's always had speed. So if he can, again, if he can hold it together, I think he can throw it on the podium as well. Um, so yeah, we've got a, we've got a ton of guys. I think we, we've named probably 10 or 15 guys that we think could get a podium. So I think it, uh, I think it should be interesting this year for sure. Well, like I had mentioned, the, uh, the thing that seems to plague the 250 class uh, more than anything is, is consistency, and I think that's maybe why it, it often becomes uh, almost more entertaining or more exciting than the 450 class, because by the time the guys get to the 450 class, uh, a lot of times we, we know what they are. We know like what they're capable of and, and who they're going to race with, but, uh, uh, and, and they're very consistent at it, whereas the, four, the 250 class, you'll have guys like... Um, Cole Martinez this year on the West Coast. Uh, there was a couple of times that he didn't make the main event, and there was some of the times he, he was uh, find himself in eighth place, and uh, that's that's a huge swing as far as uh, where you're qualifying during the day. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, what what what's what's the most important, or what would be the uh, the key element to ensuring success in the 250 class? Um, is it uh, daytime qualifying? Is it starts? Uh, what would you say is kind of the uh, uh, the golden goose of being successful in for in the 250 class? Yeah, you know, you mentioned daytime qualifying. Um, I think, at least personally for me, the biggest thing with racing Supercross, it all starts with the very first time you hit the track. Um, if you, if that first practice session goes well, it seems to set the tone for the whole day. You know, you have a good qualifying, you'll get a good gate pick. You usually get a good transfer into the main event. Um, then a good gate pick for the main event as well. Um, so it really all starts with that first, uh, first qualifying session. You know, um, if you don't get a good one, then you're, you're constantly behind the eight ball. You know, you got bad gate picks and trying to, uh, trying to work through the slower riders and uh 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, for all these guys, I think, you know, you got to really go out there and set the tone in that very first practice at, uh, at Atlanta and, and really, uh, really lay down what you got. So what's it like going out there, uh, walking the track? Obviously a lot of these, uh, you guys have seen every obstacle or at least many of them. They're, they're, they're very, uh, not often, uh, the Feld crew throws uh, something at you you've never seen before, but, uh, what's it like to go out there first lap and, uh, be expected to jump triples, uh, time the rhythm section and, uh, basically within a, within, um, uh, about 10, 15 laps on the track, you're, you've already achieved the fastest lap you might do all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, the, uh, the first, first practice session, you know, you get a free practice session. I think it's, uh, it's like six or seven minutes long, something ridiculous. Um, but which basically is like six laps for you guys, honestly, you guys got to check out the track one lap, which takes almost two minutes. And then you got five minutes to go lay down four fast laps. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's tough. You know, you got to really, you got to get out there and just kind of, kind of go for it a little bit, you know, get all the, get all the big rhythms out of the way, get across the whoops a few times. Good. Um, you know, it's pretty nerve wracking, especially coming into the first round, you know, it's believe it or not, it's pretty tough to find a real legit, uh, practice track. You know, most of these practice tracks are a little mellower, um, a little safer obstacles. So, uh, yeah, the the first race of the year is always it always kind of catches you off guard by how gnarly all the obstacles are. You know, the whoops are always big, the rhythms are always super peaky. So, um, so yeah, you like I said, you just got to go out there and kind of send it for a few laps until you uh, until you kind of get all the obstacles and start getting comfortable. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, especially for all the rookies, I think they're they're always uh, they're always in for a big surprise in the first race. What, what went, uh, what, explain the experience the first time you, uh, committed to a supercross triple. Did you just launch that thing way too far or did you time it just perfectly to sack up and, and ride and hit a supercross triple? Like the, hitting a lip like that must be unlike, uh, pretty much anything else. Yeah. It's pretty scary the first time, you know, I think first time I ever did it, I think I followed somebody off of it, which, uh, definitely makes it a little easier. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, there's really not time for that in, in your uh, qualifying sessions at Supercross. So yeah, you really just got to go for it. I think, I think at my first race I did, I probably over jump a triple the first time by probably, probably 30 feet, you know, just, uh, just went for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, once you get it out of the way, it's, it's pretty easy. You know, we've, we've hit triples a million times at the practice track. So, um, you know, you just got to feel it out for a couple laps, but, uh, but yeah, once once you get over it, it's it's really no big deal. We uh we could do triples in our sleep. So fair enough. That that you guys absolutely can. Uh, is there any uh, uh, camaraderie or a brothership of the uh, the privateer class where uh, uh, if say if you're you're a good for like uh, I don't know you could name a, a good friend of yours that races, but uh, um, did, would you guys ever kind of like hook up out there on the, 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 the practice track or like out there at the, the racetrack on race day and uh, kind of chase each other around to uh, develop that, that pace or is it kind of every man for himself? Yeah. You know, um, actually one of my real good training partners, he actually got hurt at Oakland's, but, uh, is Brock Shoemaker. Um, okay. you know, so we were before Supercross started, we were training together every day, riding, you know, three or four times a week together. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you spend a lot of time with somebody like that, it definitely, 
makes it easier, you know, kind of get a little bit of a familiar environment out there on the track, um, calms your nerves a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, for, for the privateer guys, you really just try and latch on to the fastest guy who's out there, you know, generally all the privateers will be in the B, B practice. So, um, it's kind of tough. There's not a lot of super fast guys there, but, uh, yeah, you just try to latch on to the fastest guy and kind of, kind of, uh, ride his back wheel and do a good qualifying time, you know? Um, so yeah. Um, what about a guy like Benny Bloss? Uh, Benny Bloss, uh, is your, I think he's the Horizon Award winner last year in uh, Loretta Lynn's. Uh, I believe he's, uh, six foot eight, uh, <laughs> exaggeration, but he's tall and he's going to be riding a 250F. And, uh, to add to that equation, his bike's got that really awesome, fun looking speedway look, uh, from the, the, for the friends over at, uh, Slater Skins. So, uh, what do you expect from a kid coming out of amateurs who's, uh, he's now gone through his road to Supercross? which is uh very uh very important for that all, all these amateur kids to to go learn how to ride supercross while by racing some arena cross races makes a mm-hmm. ton of sense um but uh yeah he went out and did that and now he's gonna race supercross um but uh he's gotta he's gotta be tipping in at about 180 pounds at six foot something like i i don't understand why how this guy doesn't either a go straight to the 450 class or uh someone must be thinking that he's gonna be able to hang with the 250 guys well, yeah, you know, the way that the AMA rulebook is set up, uh, you have to make a night show in the 250 class before you can race the 450 class. So, um, so yeah, he's kind of forced, he's forced his hand in that one a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I saw him at the track quite a bit when I was getting ready for Supercross and, uh, he's definitely fast. You know, he's got a huge advantage in the whoops. His legs are so long. Um, he just makes everybody look silly in the whoops. So, uh, yeah, so he, he'll be fast on the whoops, you know. I think his his uh, his height really can can play an advantage for him. Um, the only issue, obviously, he's taller, he's heavier, so uh, getting a start might be a little rough for him. But I actually just read this morning that uh, him and that Blue Buffalo team split ways, so um, oh. it'd be be interesting to see see how that all plays out. You know, it's uh if going from having a team, having everything set up to uh, kind of being on your own, I'm sure it'll be a little bit rough for him. But uh, he's a good rider. I think I think he can. Uh, I think he'll figure it out. No doubt. So. That's a very uh, rocky start to a professional career for a guy who wins the Horizon Award winner. Like, yeah, most most guys that take home that award are like certified blue chippers. These guys are going to the front of the pack. They're not like they're not even to mess around with LCQs. They're going straight. Like, this is this is almost like uh, automatic Geico ride style riders. Mm-hmm. Can you can you quite explain how this this guy who's come out of the the, the A class who I think he went six for six in, at at Loretta's uh, which is a rare thing in and of itself um, basically is uh, like he's almost going undrafted as far as if you want to go talk about it in, in stick and ball sport terms. Yeah, you know it's crazy. Like any guy in recent in recent years who who does that well at Loretta's, you know they've got a full factory ride coming into their first race. Um, so I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of a weird deal. I, I guess he just hit it at a, at a, the wrong year or something. I mean, I don't know. It's a bummer deal for him. You know, he's, he's obviously got the skills, you know, he, I think at his first national, he finished like 10th or something at, uh, in Indiana. So, you know, I think, I mean, 
he's definitely got the skills. He's uh, he kind of got shafted there. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure what happened. You know, um, <laughs> it might have. Uh, uh... I don't know, piss somebody off at some point or another, but uh, um, maybe it's it's literally just his height and his weight that that uh, people are shying away from. On the, the they have to put him on a two fifty, and um, that's just uh, it's it maybe not worth the investment, knowing the kid's not going to be able to uh, get pulled around by the little machine. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's tough. Um, I mean, that that definitely could be a factor, but I mean, you've seen guys like uh, like Malcolm Stewart. He's not a small guy at all. No. Um, you know, I mean, he, he does, he does good. He's still, he can still get starts. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, it's, it's kind of a weird deal. It's, it's a bummer for, uh, for Benny. He's definitely got skills and, you know, he kind of put in his dues, you know, won all those motos at Loretta's, like you said. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, he, he's a great rider though. And I think he'll land on his feet and, uh, you know, I think, I think he'll be just fine. Did you hear that Malcolm Stewart's going to be an uncle? I saw that. I didn't even know that James was married. Oh yeah, uh, he keeps that super super hush. But uh, uh, I, don't, I don't even think she comes to the races that often. Uh, but uh, him and his uh, him and his wife are are expecting a little baby boy. So uh, um, Supercross 2032, uh, we'll be looking forward to that. Yeah. If as long as we're still riding dirt bikes at that point, I think it'll probably be like full electric. And uh, based on all the safety regulations and everything like that, it'll probably just be a dirt oval. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, you know, dad like James Stewart. I mean, how could you be slow? You know, so. no doubt. Well, yeah. you, you grew up riding these bikes, and uh, it's like you—you've literally gone through the entire ringer as far as uh, amateur stuff, and now you've like established yourself as a professional. Um, what's what's your take on 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 amateur racing now and uh and and moving into the in the pro ranks um like we've seen now more than ever there's more uh facilities and there's more people that are willing to help these kids moving into the the next level but um how prepared is an amateur rider to uh to move into the pros um in in today's day and age you know it's tough i've kind of got mixed feelings on the whole um whole training facility thing i think uh it definitely produces super fast riders. You know, we've seen pretty much all the, uh, all the amateurs to come out recently or they have killer speed, but, uh, they can't seem to hold it together for very long. You know, most of these guys, you know, they, they, they'll have great qualifying times and all that, but they're on the ground more than they're, more than they're upright. So, um, you know, I, I think it's tough. You know, you got these kids getting signed from, you know, 11, 12 years old, already have a pro contract, and, uh, you know, they know nothing outside of racing. I think, I don't know, I don't think you really can, you don't really develop as an athlete as much as you could. I think, um, you know, it's good for kids to go and play football and play other sports, kind of uh, become a more well-rounded athletically and just, yeah. athlete and i mean even just socially you know all these kids are at a at a training facility with the same five people from from the time they're 12 until they're they turn pro you know so i think uh like i said it definitely produces fast riders so there's there's no arguing that but i think they're kind of some of the other pieces kind of fall out of place you know so plus there's um, no chicks around that can't be good for anybody <laughs> no definitely not you know gotta uh gotta have the chicks around 
for sure. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? I, I totally, uh, I, I totally agree with that. These kids, they come out and like, they ride these tracks that are like, they're literally, they, they call them dream tracks because they're built by California dream tracks. They're, they're these beautiful, well-maintained, huge jumps, video game style speed. And, um, but the thing is, is as much as, uh, any of us play uh, motocross video games, um, when you hit the ground viciously in a motocross video game, your guy pops back up and you continue to go. Uh, whereas these kids, they ha- they have the ability to replicate that back on their motorcycle, but when they hit the ground, they don't pop back up. And yeah. uh, or if they do, they'll only pop back up a couple of times before um, their 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 limbs are popping off, and um, that that's that's not good for the the health of the sport. When you have um, kids like you know, I look at a kid like Zach Bell, who for all intents and purposes should have been the next coming of the, like the he was the kid that he's like unbelievable fast. He like he led one of his first races out there, and now. Um, can't seem to hold it together uh, for a, for an LCQ. Like it's just, uh, and I think a lot of it comes down to confidence because, uh, frankly, over the last what three years, I don't think there's like if, if the kid had any amount of confidence at the be- at the very beginning of his motocross career, he's probably got less confidence on a motocross bike than I do. Yeah, today. you know, yeah, <laughs> it's rough. I mean, he's had he's had more injuries than almost anybody out there. You know, it's tough. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like That's you said, I think uh, I just feel bad for the guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's got all the talent in the world. It's just uh, had some had some really bad luck as far as injuries and stuff go. And uh, yeah, you know, like I said, I think it's kind of it's kind of part of the whole you know training facility sort of thing. I think these kids they grow up and you know they know how to they know how to twist the throttle, but they don't know uh, they're not. I don't know. They never developed the, uh, it's funny. Me and my, my trainer always say the save it gene. Like these kids, they don't have the save it gene, you know, they don't have the, they don't have the muscle or whatever it is to be able to just pull that sucker back, back straight when they get out of shape, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know how rough these training facility tracks get. Um, I don't like, I, like, I really don't know. I haven't, I've never been to one. Um, but like all the videos you see and all the pictures you see is of a, of a, of a perfect berm with, uh, they're like, they're just railing all the time. And you can't do that when the track gets rough at a, at a national, you know, that firsthand and same thing with a, a supercross. It doesn't get as rough as a national, but those tracks get eaten up. And, um, it's uh, it, it's something completely different than what they see, and um, these kids they only know one speed is just to pin it, mm-hmm. and uh, that turns out to, to turn into some problems as we've seen. Um, like it doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens to many. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, yeah, it's tough. I think you've seen a guy like uh, like Austin Forkner come up. I think he's he's one of the guys who he's obviously it's kind of a bummer he's hurt now, but. Uh, I think he's hurt, is he? Um, you mean Adam Cincerello, <laughs> or is it, or well, is Forkner hurt too now? No, no, maybe maybe I'm thinking wrong. I don't think Forkner's hurt. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, um, but no, Forkner seems like you know he really gets the whole the whole other side of it, where you got to really you got to truly to compete at the top level, you've got to be a, a real athlete, you know. And I think uh, you know just looking at him, he looks like he's built strong and he's. Uh, he's prepared for it. Whereas like a lot of these other guys, you know, like you said, they just, they know how to twist it and they know they, they can go fast, but it, uh, they're kind of like a ticking time bomb, you know? I mean, we've seen it with, 
with Ryan Dungey lately, you know, the guy is just an absolute machine, you know, I think he, uh, he works harder than anybody else on the track and, you know, it shows, you know, he's got, he's got that speed. He's, he can not only go faster than everybody else, but he can do that for, you know, hundreds of laps at a time, you know, he, uh, he's never outside of his comfort zone. He's always, always just solid as a rock. So I think, uh, there's definitely a lot to be learned from that, that sort of mentality. For sure. And now before I let you go, uh, like two things I wanted to uh, talk to you about, uh, obviously the, the absence of Adam C and Cerullo, uh, again, this kid, uh, I guess it kind of ties into what we were just talking about with these uh, amateur guys that come out and they, uh, they're unable to stay healthy. But I think with Adam, it, it's, it's almost like a, um, it, it almost seems like a separate uh, situation altogether with a, a kid. This, this was supposed to be the guy, this was supposed to be, um, like he, he was untouchable. And for the most part, uh, like I, I was, didn't follow it like ridiculously close, but I didn't see a whole lot of, uh, injuries getting plagued throughout his amateur career. And, uh, that seems like it's all, that's all it's been since he turned pro in 2013. Um, like, uh, obviously it's just a wrist. It's a bone that can heal and it'll come back for outdoors, but, uh, gotta be disappointed that we're not going to see the 44 machine until, uh, Hangtown. Yeah, man, it's really a bummer. I think, uh, you really got to feel for the kid, you know, he's, it's been, what three years since he's turned pro and he's only raced five or six races. So, uh, yeah, it, it's rough. You know, I think, uh, he's, his confidence has definitely got to be, um, got to be at a low point right now, you know, just, you know, you work hard and you really, you really kind of strive to get those results. And obviously he hasn't even had a chance to, to get any results. So, um, yeah, it's a rough deal. You know, it's kind of, it's crazy because I mean, looking at it, everything looking at from the outside, you know, he should have everything he needs. You know, he had, he was trained with Alvin Baker. He has got one of the best bikes on the track. You know, I think, uh, you know, sometimes just, you know, he can have bad luck. You know, he's had, he's had a super bad string of bad luck, but, uh, you know, I think he's one of the, one of the most talented guys out there. He's, he showed I me mean, when last time we saw him race, he won what, four or five supercrosses in a row or something like that. So I think, uh, he's definitely got the talent and if he can stay healthy, I think, I think he can, uh, he can contend for wins for sure. But, uh, I agree more. Yeah. You know, so. No, uh, I, honestly, I hope to see the kid, uh, um, at, at his full, full potential, full ability and, and healthy and contesting for wins because I think the sport is better with a kid like that in it. Uh, he's got good personality. He's got blazing speed and uh, just more, more kids in the mix is good. Um, now, before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about 450 Supercross coming into Atlanta. This is, of course, the first East event, uh, but um, Ryan Dungey has a 23-point lead over Ken Roxon. Uh, Roxon's got two wins. Dungey has four, I believe, and uh, Anderson with one. Uh, that's the right math. Um, so, um, in for all intents and purposes, this is Ryan Dungey's championship to lose. But uh, we're, a couple, of, a couple other curveballs that get thrown into this mix uh, for the 450 class in Atlanta is the return of the seven. Hopefully, James Stewart will be back for uh, for, uh, for this weekend's event, and uh, the fact that um, they're the. Or on the east, there's a couple of guys that shine better there than they do do out west. Um, do you expect? 
Dungey to continue having the same dominance, or do you feel like uh, a couple of these guys might do, uh, be able to challenge him a little bit more as we head out west or east? I mean, yeah, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Stewart ends up showing up this weekend. I think, uh, you know, he's definitely showed in the past that he's got the speed to win. You know, you can you can never you never count out Stewart. That's for that's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I think Roxon uh, winning last weekend it's kind of dangerous for Dungey. You don't really you don't want to have uh, you don't want to give Roxon any more confidence than he already has. Um, no. But you know, I mean, we've seen Dungey. He's just like I said, he's just a machine. You know, he uh, he's uh, he's just solid. You know, he's got a twenty three point lead right now, so he's kind of got he's got some wiggle room for sure. And uh, he's just consistent, man. That's the one thing that nobody else has been able to do. You know, they can match him with speed at times, but uh, they're not there every single weekend. So, um, you know, like he said, I think it's Dungey's title to lose. I think he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely looking like he's the man to beat. That's for damn sure. So, couldn't agree more. I think uh, for like in all reality. Um, if Ryan Dungey doesn't, uh, for Ryan Dungey not to win this championship, he needs to have a DNF somewhere. Um, it's mm-hmm. they're not. It's not going to just be uh, a couple of points here, a couple of points there. Ryan Dungey's worst uh, worst day is a fourth, um, and uh, the other contender's worst day could be an eighth, and um, that's just that's just too much, too many points uh, um, deficit for for these guys to, to make up on a guy who's not going to give them up. I think the, the majority, the most amount of points he'd give up in one uh, particular event is seven. That's the, like you'd need three weeks of him to have his worst race just so you can get even with the guy, and then you got to get away from him. So uh, it, it, it's looking to be more and more tough as the weeks click off. But uh, I hope for uh, the fans' sake that uh, these guys are able to uh, um, put the boots to him. And uh, you never wish uh, wish wrong on somebody, but uh, if, um, if if Dungey's bike could uh, blow a rad hose like Alex Ray's did this last weekend, uh, I, I wouldn't be uh, frowning too much. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, it- it would definitely make things interesting. You know, I think that's, I think honestly, that's what it's going to have to take for, uh, for these guys to get back up in, in the points. I think, uh, you know, like you said, Dungy's just, he's solid. He's, he's never going to have a really terrible race, you know, barring any sort of mechanical difficulty or something. Um, it would definitely make things interesting. That's for sure. I think, um, yeah, you know, it, uh, if if the points could reset, I think things would get really interesting. You know, Roxon's seeming like he's he's turning things around a little bit. Um, Anderson's had great speed. If he can get starts, I think uh, I think he would be right up in there. Um, so yeah, um, you know, hopefully those guys can kind of pull it together a little bit more and be be battling for the win at a more uh, more consistent pace. Um, I think it'd, it'd be good good for racing. So. Totally yeah. agree. Uh, awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show to uh, to, to discuss uh, what's going on in your world right now over at the Racer's Edge. Uh, hopefully, like I said, your your recovery goes extremely smoothly. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, breaking down these 250 guys because uh, uh, you've got some great insight and uh, a lot of knowledge about these riders. You've been uh, you've you've most likely been in the air with a bunch of them over top of a, a Supercross triple <laughs> at some point. And uh, and I look forward to uh, to seeing you doing. Exactly exactly that in one year's time. So um, 
all around uh, really positive uh, positive experience here. Yeah, thank you. I uh, I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun, you know. Um, it's uh, it's tough, you know. Not not racing. It's been almost a year since I've raced a pro race. So, uh, you know, any way I can kind of get back in back in the mix of things a little bit, it's cool. So uh, I I enjoyed it. Thank you. Right on, man. Well, uh, don't hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we'll we'll actually before before we let you go, uh, let, who are those sponsors that were uh, going to be helping you out or still helping you out on a regular basis? Uh, give those guys a plug because uh, you know they'd appreciate it. Yeah, obviously uh, the Racers Edge. We've talked about those guys quite a bit. Um, it's my uncle's shop, so he helps me out a ton. And then uh, Tri County Power Sports. They're helping me with bikes. Um, Factory Edge does my motors. Those guys are great. Um, fast house gear, uh, Garnet boots, X-Brand goggles, uh, Novit gloves, Ryan engineering, works connection, Yoshimura. Um, yeah, I think, uh, that's the majority of them. So if I missed anybody, I'm, I'm really sorry, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get back out there next year and, uh, get represented all those sponsors, uh, the way they should be. There you go. Uh, have you have you seen the new uh, uh, Fast House pants that uh, Berriman and uh, Durham will be racing, uh, wearing this uh, this weekend? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, those Fast House guys are really uh, really making a big push lately. You know, coming out with a whole whole gear line. You know, it's been just jerseys in the past. So uh, yeah, it's exciting new stuff with them. You know, their stuff always I think is the best looking stuff on the track. So. Um, so yeah, it's just that core look that like that back to basics, really plain, like kind of just like uh, clean look, like throwing it back to like the seventies when guys just used to ride. Like they rode a Kawasaki with a Kawasaki jersey, kind of brings me back to that type of uh, look, and uh, would uh, would kill to get my hands on uh, on a cool set of, uh, of of fast house gear. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. They're uh, they're definitely elevating the uh, the style game on the track. That's for sure. No doubt, man. Well, uh, like I said, I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Don't hang up just yet, but we'll uh, we'll cut it off right there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.